Hi FM, 101.9 megahertz of life. Welcome back to Soul to Soul. I'm Rabbi Ari Kiefman. Great to be with you here this wonderful day. And today, hello everyone, welcome. And today we're going to talk about Havdalah. Over the last couple of weeks we talked about Shabbos and we discussed the various aspects of Shabbos. And now, as we get towards the end of Shabbos in our discussion, We'll talk about, you know, the skies have darkened and the sun has set. Let's talk about the end of Shabbos. And there's various aspects to the conclusion of Shabbos that many people aren't necessarily aware of and is worthwhile to have a discussion about that. So, my friends, let's begin. A lot of what is written about Shabbos comes from that connection of an intimate union that we've been describing over the last few weeks You know, a relationship is never static. It grows, it evolves over time, and different aspects of a relationship come to the fore as it develops. So this is true, of course, about our relationship with the Almighty, with God as well. And let's see how that applies to our discussion, because as you know, we talked about Shabbos, and we discussed that Shabbos is about an intimate relationship with the Almighty. So... That bond of that, that deepened relationship with God intensifies as we go deeper into our understanding and appreciation of Shabbos. Let's look at a few different aspects and we're going to try to see. Firstly, there's, there are various levels in the Shabbos experience. Friday night, you could think of that as the primary time for making space, which we talked much about. And it's more closely associated with the physical rest, with with personal restoration, that aspect of the gift of Shabbos. It's related to that rejuvenation, okay? And it's that's the first aspect. It's about just making that space in our lives. And that's what we do Friday night. The second step you could say is, as Shabbos ends, we're going to just talk about that we naturally feel sad. We, we feel like, oh my goodness, the loss of this special day. We can't, you know, they say the five hardest day, uh, what is it? The heart, um, oh, forgetting that line. My hardest time is the five days after the weekend. But really, we, we need to be, we need to find a way to take the spirit of Shabbos and take it with us into the week. And then we have to look at the the words. We're going to explore a little bit the the text of Havdalah. The idea of one of the dominant themes of Havdalah is the preparation for the challenging week ahead. And therefore we drink wine and we smell the pleasant aroma to soothe our souls so that we can approach the coming days with joy and purity. And so the blessing over fire of Havdalah, it reminds us of God's providence, of support through the hectic, difficult week that we are experiencing and how we can take that spirit of Shabbos with us into the rest of the week. And finally, we can look at the idea of the power of light. And perhaps as we just entered the month of Kislev, we could take some messages and lessons from Hanukkah, the idea that fire and, you know, on Saturday night, we, we don't, it, it's not that Shabbos is over. We go into the week with, with a newfound enthusiasm, hopefully truly inspired 
and take that light into the rest of the week. So at the end of Shabbos, we feel as if part of ourselves is departing. And the Havdalah ceremony is meant to help us cope. You know, I often think about it in a relationship. How do you know when you're truly in love? And I would say perhaps when that moment comes and you just can't part from each other. When, when I was dating my wife, and the time came where, you know, we, we felt close enough to each other where we just couldn't leave each other. We couldn't just, we just couldn't separate from each other. Then I think we knew, okay, there's something going on here. There's a, a relationship. And I think that's an important part of the Havdalah, of understanding what Havdalah is all about. So, of course, we mark the onset, the beginning of Shabbos with a cup of wine, as we all know. And so, when Shabbos is ending, how do we mark it? The same exact way when Shabbos departs, we have a cup of wine, we bless God for distinguishing Shabbos from the weekdays. And this is the ceremony that is called Havdalah. What does Havdalah mean? Literally, Havdalah means separation. But the truth is, we just don't want to separate from Shabbos. So the actual uh, procedure for Abdullah, we won't go through. Uh, you could easily watch the videos on Chabad.org of how to do Abdullah. So I'm not going, or you could just join me on any Saturday night. Um, I, my family usually does a live Abdullah on uh, on Zoom. You're always welcome to join us and sing along and be part of the celebration with us. But right now we're going to focus a little bit about some of the meaning, some of the inspiration that we could take with us from Shabbos into the week. And in fact, there's so much of it, I'm not even sure where to begin. I'll just, I'll just go as, as it comes, um, as it comes to you. Now, let's just explore a little bit of the meaning of Havdalah. Okay, when you look at the the text of a Havdalah. What does it mean? I mean, we'll look through a few different aspects of, you know, let, let's start first with the wording. Okay, let me just pick it up here or try to remind myself. Okay, we say, What does that mean? Indeed, God is my deliverance. I'm confident and I shall not fear. For my, for God is my strength and my praise. And He has been my salvation. So we start with those words and then we go. I want to try to. Uh, Understand and unpack each of these words. What does that mean? We sh- you shall draw water with joy. From the wellsprings of salvation. And the fourth verse expresses how God is with us. God of, of many heavenly and, and worldly beings is with us. The idea is that overall, 
all of these verses are reinforcing the idea of God being there for us. And that's why we say in the, that's why we describe, in fact, we even bring the words from Purim, from the Megillah here. What do we say? That we know in the story of Purim, there was light and joy and gladness and honor. And we conclude with the words, So it should be for us. We're saying we're so sure of our success that we raise a cup in, in thanks over our salvation. That, you know, which is what we're saying that we know that we're taking that spirit of Shabbos into the week. So after all this, what do we do? We engage in this multi-sensory experience that involves taste, smell, and sight. First, we recite a bracha over wine. Okay, we, we make the bracha barupi agafen. And we're going to drink it. And wine is obviously, we're going to go through the various steps. You know, first we're starting with our palate, with our taste. And wine, if you consume it in moderation, of course, can awaken joy within us. Then we make a bracha, which is a blessing over a pleasant fragrance. And what's the idea? That also enhances our mood. It makes us feel refreshed, re-energized. And then we chant a blessing over the flame of a multi-wick candle and we gaze on the flame and observe its light. So on a most basic level, we kindle a flame on, on Matzah Shabbos and Saturday night to commemorate, to thank God for the fire that humans first used on Saturday night, Adam and Eve. But there's something even deeper at play as well. Just as God cared for Adam for Adam and Chava, for Adam and Eve, and provided them with the solution for their, their difficulty. Their weak, you know, they, they came from paradise, and in paradise, you can imagine, life was Lekka, and all of a sudden, they're in a dark world, facing the challenges, the struggles, the obstacles of life. So we too could rest assured that God will, will do so for us, and will bring us, will give us the light that we need for our coming week. After the blessing on the fire, what do we do? We look at our nails under the glow of the flame. We show that our light has the proper measure of strength. Now the thing is, something symbolic about it is, nails constantly grow, right? Our nails are always growing. And this provides not only a good omen, but also a strong message about how we have to launch into the week. But the greatest comfort is when we realize that we're really never parting from Shabbos. There's something we can do to hold on to Shabbos a whole week. And this is the core message of Havdalah. And that's the idea, the, the final blessing of excuse me, the idea of, of discerning, of separating between the mundane and the holy, between the weekday and Shabbos, between each of these aspects within life. So this is where we go after Abdullah, we try to have a meal called Malava Malka. What does Malava Malka mean? Literally means escorting the queen in her departure. And the order of Abdullah, we went from the least refined, we started off with the wine, we, we drank, we tasted. Then we moved into the next level, which is smell. We had the basamin, the aromatic spices. Then we went into sight because we looked at the fire and then we use our mind to distinguish, to separate between different things. 
And this, of course, corresponds to how these senses appear on our face, starting at the lowest part and going up. And that's the basics of Avdallah. So if you want, we could take it a step further in, in really, truly um, understanding and comprehending this. I think it's worthwhile to, to take it and to try to understand the, you know, not, that's the basics of it. But how do we make this most meaningful and implement it within ourselves? You know, we don't want to hurry and, and dive into the weekday the second that we're able to do so. And that's why there's a halachic requirement called Tosaf Shabbos, where we're going to add extra, you know, add a little bit, a little bit into Shabbos. So the first thing we have to know is not to rush into the weekday. Maybe, you know, if the calendar says that Shabbos ends at 7.05 or whatever time it says, yeah, I didn't look at this week, what time it is Shabbos end this week, and in fact, I have a calendar in front of me, okay. Whatever it is, we don't want to rush into it. So maybe add a few minutes extra to Shabbos. And you know that idea we talked about, the concept of extra soul? That's something, it's difficult for us to part from that Neshama Yisera. And in fact, there's a story told us about Shem Tov, who once spent Shabbos with his students in a certain village, and when the time came for Shalashudas, the third meal, one of the villagers invited all his friends to come with him. And they had this huge spread. This guy indulged in Shalashudas, in the third meal. He put out food and drinks and would sing songs until it was dark outside and even further. And the Bashantim asked him, why do you spend so much effort, so much money on gathering people around for this third meal of Shalashudas? And this man said, very simply but with sincerity, he said, I hear many Jews, you know, when the final moment comes, we like to be accompanied, we like to be around with our family and friends. You know, it's the most dignified way to go. And he says, each Jew on Shabbos we know is blessed with extra soul. And when Shabbos is over, that extra soul, the Neshama Yisera, departs from us. So you know what I say? I like that my extra soul should depart in the presence of my fellow family and friends. And that's why I gather my friends, I gather people around with me, so that when Shabbos concludes, it is in good company. And the Baal Shem Tov really enjoyed that explanation. And what I think the story tells us is that when Shabbos concludes, there's a real sense of loss that we could experience that, you know, we had such a rich, beautiful Shabbos, and we see, we feel as if a part of ourselves is departing. The best part, the holiest part, that extra soul. On Shabbos we were in joy, we were had rest. And so, we don't want to lose that. So how do we cope? How do we manage this sense of loss and the feelings of worry? Ah, that's Havdalah. Havdalah is a way we're going to take the beauty that we experience on Shabbos, and we're going to allow it to imbue and to permeate the rest of the week. And so we don't like to part, just like we don't like to part from a loved one when we see them, it's, we hate to see them go, we like to be together. Same thing is when Shabbos concludes, we want to spend time together, just a little bit more time with Shabbos. So let's talk about each of those aspects now. Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. I'm Rabbi Ari Kiban, and we're talking today about Havdalah. So, let's just analyze a little bit, go a little bit deeper into it. 
We spoke the words before. I just want to unpack it a little bit. Saying the words for you before. What does it mean? You know, indeed, God is my deliverance. I'm confident that, you know. Now, this is encouraging us not to fear. The idea that the natural course of events that might lead us, you know, to feelings of fear. Shabbos is over and all of a sudden I'm feeling overwhelmed. I'm feeling like I could, like I can't handle the week. So therefore we start off, we're told not to fear because we could trust that God will give us the strength to overcome our sense of loss. God will help us deal with the various challenges that we're about to face during the week. And that's why we continue with that God will, that we, we draw Water with joy. From the wellsprings of salvation. This is a reference to drawing water from a natural spring. You think about, we discussed this week, the parsha of Toldos, where we, we learn about Yitzchak Avinu, who was a well digger, that our patriarchs in general dug wells. The idea is to dig deep. And we, when we know that we have the resources, that we don't have to worry that the water supply is going to dry up. We can trust, we have faith in God. You know, somebody relies on rainwater, you don't know if it's gonna, if it's gonna rain, if it's not gonna rain, what's gonna be. But when you have a wellspring, and we can draw without worry, without, without concern, we have that joy, with joy. And so too in our lives, we're connected to God, the source of unlimited blessing and goodness. Our salvation stems from a wellspring that never dries up. And of course, both rainwater and spring water come from God. But God created the rainwater to fall intermittently, which obviously we have droughts. And you know, right here in South Africa, we've had it just a few years ago, which could cause hunger. It could cause us anxiety. Even recently, I was listening, I think right here, you know, on Chai FM, they were talking about um, recent rainwater that we got that didn't land in the right place. Rain has to go in the right places. You have to have faith in Hashem that everything will be okay. But the spring flows incessantly. So even someone who has no amuna will not be anxious when he has access to a spring. So what we're saying in this verse that we quote on Matzah Shabbos and Saturday Abdallah is telling us that our outlook for all of life has to be like Mimayne Haishua, like, like a spring-like. Because in reality, God is taking care of us all. God's blessing is never depleted. And then we went, we quoted the fourth verse. Hashem Simanu, That the God of, of the heavenly and worldly beings is with us. Yes, we lose much as Shabbos leaves us. But we're now reminded that there's something we never lose. And that's our close connection with Hashem. Each of us on our own level. We're moving forward into the week. We might be fearful. Oh my gosh, I'm leaving, losing my Shabbos experience. Right? I might not feel my neshama yaseira, that extra soul, but we're comforted by the thought that God will always be with us. And that's why Hashem Tzavayz Imanu. You know that song? And don't you know you're never alone, never alone, it doesn't matter where you are. There's nothing in His eyes more special than you. Wherever you go, Hashem is with you. And that's the message. Hashem, Tzavai, Simanu, God is with us. And hopefully that softens our sense of loss as the weekday begins, as our Neshama Yasera leaves us. And so, 
all of the verses that we say in Abdallah reinforce this idea of God being there for us when we need God most when we, and we could rely on Hashem because God is always with us. And that's why the conclusion of Shabbos is not marked by this, by, by a somber or a gloomy conclusion uh, mood. We don't feel uh, morose, melancholy, lugubrious, downtrodden. Instead, we say in the brachas, we, we bring that verse that I mentioned before, the, the verse from Purim. And we like to sing it together. In fact, we get very joyous in our Abdullah. My kids love to sing together. La Yehudi Maisa'ara V'simcha V'sasam V'kar That for the Jews there was light and joy, gladness and honor in that story. And we say, Kain Tialanu So it should be for us. And we're so sure of our success that we raise our cup. We, we give thanks to Hashem. In fact, we make sure the cup overflows with blessing. Why? Because we want, you know, as the verse says, Kotsi Revaya, Psalm 23, our cup should be overflowing. We want the blessings. We're taking the blessings of Shabbos, the extra spirit with us into the week. And so we engage in this multi-sensory experience that we describe of all the different levels. Um, each aspect of this experience is, is to help us cope with our compromised emotions that you might say we have. And it's called it a Saturday night syndrome. And so first we recite the bracha on the wine. We're going from level to level within experiencing the joy to each level. Uh, we, we spoke about the fragrance. The idea is that it's sort of a revival for the soul. Uh, perhaps next week, I, I have a lecture, a lot more information. I'm, I'm sort of rushing through it today. But maybe next week, if anyone has questions, we could dissect it a little bit, a little bit deeper and give you the Kabbalah, the mysticism. Today I'm just going through it in a nutshell, sort of a DIY. Uh, you know, Havdalah 101 call it. But maybe next week, if anyone's interested, I'll be happy to, to make, to, you know, to take it a little bit deeper and make it a little bit more, uh, if, if there's interest, then we could dissect it a little bit more. But we, we spoke about the idea of the light. You know, during the first, during the six days of creation and Shabbos that followed, the world was illuminated by a great spiritual light. That didn't fade even during nighttime. That was just the beginning of creation. Why? Because man was created on the first day, of, uh, not on the first day, on the sixth day, but the first day of man's creation, which was Friday. They, they went straight into Shabbos. But then they sinned with eating from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, right away even before Shabbos. But God didn't expel them on Shabbos. They got to experience Shabbos in paradise. But... That's because God didn't want them to feel sadness on Shabbos. So God didn't conceal the light until Shabbos was over. On Saturday night, that's when Adam and Chava experienced the darkness for the first time. And the Talmud tells us that they were frightened. They didn't know how to deal with the darkness. Likewise, we have struggles. We have challenges. So that very night, God gave them the wisdom that how to create light. Taking flintstones, rubbing them together and having light. And so that is a, a, a fascinating, re- one of the reasons why we make light, you know, you can also say the idea of bringing light into the week. But on a basic level, we're thanking God for the fire that, that God gave us the ability to create fire that the first human beings got, which was Saturday night. But on a much deeper level, they were in a state of, of apprehension on Saturday night. You know, just as we have these personal struggles, you know, we don't want to leave Shabbos. 
but you probably only appreciate Shabbos because it only comes once a week. Imagine you had Shabbos every day. We wouldn't have that appreciation for it. Right? So God didn't create light for Adam and Eve. Instead, God gave them the tools and the wisdom to create their own light. And only after they applied that wisdom were they able to create it. And maybe this is a very powerful insight that we could take with us. It's very different from God's mode of creation during the six days where God made everything for us. Everything was ready made. Adam and Eve came into a world that was all prepared for them. And that's an important message about God says the fact that man was created last of all creations is a dual message. On the one hand, it's telling us you came into a world that was ready made, ready prepared. You came into a banquet, to a feast that was all prepared for you. On the other hand, don't get too haughty. Because you also have to realize that as much as the whole world was ready made for you, you have to realize you came last. Even a tiny mosquito, a little ant preceded us. In fact, there was a great sage he used to keep two notes in his pockets to have, you know, I, I call my balanced diet as having a cookie in each hand, right? Or a chip on each shoulder. This rabbi had two notes. One note says, Bishvilin Ibra Olam. The whole world is created just for me. It's an expression in the Talmud. You have to realize you are indispensable to God's plan for this world. God created a world just for you. That's why everything preceded man. So you came into, uh, 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 the human being came into a ready-made world. On the other hand, he had another note which says, Anachi of Ephraim, but dust and ashes. A reminder that, you know, don't get too haughty, don't get too egocentric. You see, during the six days of creation, God made everything ready-made. But on Saturday night after creation, the second week, when Adam and Eve, after they experienced Shabbos, all of a sudden, God gave Adam and Eve the intelligence that they could solve their own problems. And I think this is relevant for how we are to confront our weekday challenges, our anxieties. God might not solve all our challenges without our own effort. Right? What they God helps those who help themselves. I say God helps those who help others. God provides us with the tools, with the fortitude, with the wisdom that we need to figure things out. The Gemara tells us, in a Baruch Hu which means God does not give you a challenge you cannot handle. And so God gives us the ability to overcome our struggles and challenges. God gives us those tools that we need. And with the proper mindset, and with the right dedication, we will be able to turn our personal pockets of darkness into light, just as Adam and Chava, just as Adam and Eve did. What's interesting is, I was reading an article recently by uh, Sir Lord Rabbi, Chief Rabbi Jonathan Sachs, Salaba Shalom, passed away last week. And, you know, what is it, 10 days since he passed away, a little bit more. But it's fascinating. I wanted to share with you a quick insight of something he says. He says, to understand the full depth of what the sages were saying, it's necessary to go back to one of the great myths of the ancient world, the story of Prometheus. To the Greeks, the gods were essentially hostile to mankind. Zeus wanted to keep the art of making fire a secret. But Prometheus stole a spark and taught men how to make it. Once the theft was discovered, Zeus punished him by having him chained to a rock with an eagle pecking at his silver, at his liver. Against this background, we can see the revolutionary character of Jewish faith. I'm just reading to you the words of Chief Rabbi Jonathan Sachs, which I think is so powerful. Let me continue reading. He says, we believe that God wants human beings to exercise power, responsibility, create, to create, um, 
creatively within the limits set by integrity of nature. The rabbinic account of how God taught Adam and Eve the secret of making fire is the precise opposite of the story of Prometheus. God seeks to confer dignity on the, on the beings he made in his image. As an act of love, he does not hide the secrets of the universe from us. He does not seek to keep mankind in a state of ignorance or dependence. The creative God empowers us to be creative and begin by teaching us how he wants us to be guardians of the world, how we entrust to our care. That is the significance of the, of the eighth day, meaning Havdalah, or the eighth day of creation. It's the human counterpart of the first day of creation. It's the day that God says, you're my partner in making this world. That's why God made us. So that's the significance of the fire. One more point we said about fire is we have to look, <coughs> we look at our nails, and then I explained before the idea that, first of all, we're making usage of the light. But another very important thing is the idea is that our nails grow. We have to realize that it's difficult, you know, when we face challenges and obstacles in our life, is that we're launching into a new week. It's a new beginning. And we need that idea that things will change. Things will get better. Life, you know, will grow out of this situation. The Things will improve. And it's so important, I think, to have that perspective that we're never stuck. Just as our nails, you cut them and they grow back, they'll grow, it will be a new nail. It's not the same nail as before. Whatever tsaris, whatever struggles and challenges and obstacles we have from the past week, remember, it's a new week. It's new nails are growing. And that's why we look at those nails and we realize the light could shine on it. So I think it's an important message. And of course, the ulti- ultimately, the greatest comfort is when we realize that we're never really parting from Shabbos. That there's something we could do to hold on to Shabbos the whole week. And that's the idea of, of the final bracha of Abdullah. That, you know, if we walk away from Abdullah and understand that, you know, there's a wall of separation between Shabbos and the weekday, it seems like that might be the indication. Abdullah, separation. But that's not the meaning of the bracha of Abdullah, Amavdil. I think it's a more important message is not the separation. It's true that Shabbos is above and beyond the six days of the week. But the separation is just the first step. One that's followed by integration. Where we bring the light into the darkness, the holiness into the mundane. Shabbos into the weekday. So the first inside I said before is we're separating, we're distinguishing between Shabbos and, and weekday, between holy and mundane. But now, I want to take it a step deeper. IFM, 101.9 megahertz of life. Come back to Soul to Soul Rider, 101.9. Chai FM, I'm Rabbi Eric Kiven. We're talking here about Abdullah. And we talked about the idea of making, of, of separating between the holy and mundane. But let's take it a step further now. That it's not about separation but rather about integration. How can we take a little bit of Shabbos into the week? You know, it's not... Sometimes we, we treat everything as, as the same without seeing distinction between things. And that's why it's important that we do see the differences. Right? If we didn't separate, if we would not be able to bring... We wouldn't be able to bring the holiness into the Medan. So the first thing is to realize there's a difference between Shabbos and weekday. But once we realize the difference, you know when we can recognize that each entity is, and we see the holy, the mundane, Shabbos weekday, 
then we can actually take the holy and infuse it and permeate the weekday. So the goal is not to separate for the sake of separation. Yes, we divide between the sacred and the holy, between light and darkness. But we have to also bring some measure of that sanctity of Shabbos into the week by allowing some of that spiritual message of Shabbos to influence us to live during the week with a more spiritually attuned mindset. The light has to influence the darkness. We, the Jewish people, need to be a light unto the nations. And our holy, our kosher behavior has to influence and change the unkosher that's out there. It shouldn't be two different spheres that aren't connected in any way. So, yes, I said earlier, we're, we're, we're afraid to let go of Shabbos. But now, hopefully, we gained a new appreciation. We recognize and proclaim Shabbos as different, as special, and now we have the ability to bring some element of Shabbos along into the weekday. And this is one of the ideas behind that custom of the Malava Malka Suda, which I mentioned before, which means escorting the, the queen, the Shabbos queen, in, in her departure. That's the idea of why we have the special meal. And in my home growing up, we always lit candles. We had separate candles from the Abdullah candle that we liked on Saturday night. And we set the table beautifully. We always had a nice, full, beautiful meal. A full meal on Saturday night. You know, that's why all these, you know, are not so big for nothing. <laughs> now, one reason for this custom is because we want to bridge between the holiness of Shabbos into the mundaneness of the week. Because on the one hand, this meal begins only after Shabbos is departed. On the other hand, when the Jews were in the desert, remember, no man fell on Shabbos. That's why we discussed previously the idea of having two chalas to commemorate the double portion of man that fell on Friday for both Friday and Shabbos. When was the next delivery of man would only be on Sunday? So what did the Jews eat on Saturday night? Obviously, they ate the man that was designated for Shabbos. They had whatever leftovers. So the spirit, the power, the blessing of Shabbos was drawn into the weekday meal. And when we eat Malava Malka, maybe you take whatever leftover salads from Shabbos, whatever leftover foods you have, and you have a nice dinner on Saturday night, and you call this Su'udas Malava Malka, escorting the queen of Shabbos, and you permeate the rest of the week. So certainly I think it's a, a very important, and you could implement it. We try to share stories on Saturday night with our family at the meal. We try to, in fact, stories of tzaddikim, of righteous, pious people, so that our weekday, to show how here you had human beings, flesh and blood, just like us, but they lived, a, 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 they call it a tefach higher. You know, they, they lived a little bit above the world, the eighth day. Sunday is the first day of the week, but it's also the eighth day, so the day after Shabbos. It's the day when we take Shabbos into the week. And I think it's a very important, a very important way that we should start our week is to have this Malava Malka, to have a special meal. And perhaps next week we could talk a little bit more about how to make your Malava Malka special. Maybe I'll share with you more insights about that. But just to you know recap a little bit, because we certainly spent the last few weeks talking about the importance of Shabbos and the importance of allowing our Jewish life to flourish, especially during the last while when we were all in, in quarantine and lockdown, many people were isolated and we realize, where does Judaism flourish? It's not only in the shul, but it's in our homes. And we have to turn our home into the place we spend more time at home. 
I remember a speech I heard once from Rabbi Chazdan, very powerful and profound insight he said. He said, where do we have the, where do we do Yiskar, the memorial prayer for our loved ones? That we do in the Shul. And where do we have our Pesach Seders? At home with our family. But think about it. Yiskar is a personal loss, yet I'm doing it in the Shul with everyone else. We share, we are there for each other. We commiserate with each other. We, we empathize and sympathize and feel each other's pain together. But then there's something that's, that we experience as a community, the exodus from Egypt. But we bring it into our homes. And the truth is, if you look at most mitzvahs, there's more celebrated, there's more performed and observed at home than in the shul. And we went on to realize how we could, you know, how this could be implemented in, in so many different areas of our life. We discussed how when we wake up, and when we eat, and when we pray, when we observe Shabbos, all these things are mostly done in our home. And this is obviously only a small fraction of Jewish life. And even this can be a lot. We know the Torah is vast. And this is why the message, we just started the, the month of Kislev. And the month of Kislev is a month of light. And we, we, we talk about the Hanukkah menorah. In fact, the last few days we're working on planning, and if anybody needs, if you'd like to order a Hanukkah menorah for your car, I found these amazing menorahs made in America. They, they sell for a very high price. I worked at a negotiated plan with them. So if anybody would like, for just under a thousand rand, we're going to import these most magnificent, beautiful menorahs that you can put on your car, you can put on your building, you can put on your house. But I need to get the orders in by Monday. So if anyone wants, please do let me know. I, they, they cost a lot, but we're trying to get subsidies in. If anyone wants to be part of this menorah campaign of spreading the light, let me know about it and we'll try to get you a menorah that you can put on your car, on your house, or wherever you like it. But just think about it. We, when do we light the menorah? We light it at night. When we're going to permeate the darkness of the world. Think about it. We know the, the menorah, there are eight candles, but we light them one at a time. First day one, we grow the second day more. We can't be complacent in our current state of affairs. We can't deny the menorah has eight branches. And ideally at the eighth night, we're going to light all eight of them. But on the other hand, you don't have to kindle all eight the first night. We pursue steady growth. And I think it's an important message and lesson for everything we've been discussing here. As much as we want to do everything and do as many mitzvahs as possible. I told you a story a few weeks ago about a person that came, young man came to the previous Rebbe. And said, how can I be a Jew? This is 1929 in Philadelphia. He said, it's so difficult. We struggle, the challenges of observing Shabbos, of keeping, of all the things. And the Rebbe turned to him and said, first of all, I as a Rebbe don't even do all the mitzvahs. The 613 commandments in the Torah, how many of those commandments can we not do today because of circumstances? Some are only relevant to agriculture. Some are only relevant in the land of Israel. Some are only relevant to certain people. But besides for all that, even the mitzvahs we can do, I'm not able to do all of them. Now, I'm the Rebbe, he said to him. He said, but you know what I do as much as I can? And I try to do a little more. And with that, the Rebbe charged this young man and said, you too, you're not a Rebbe, you're not expected to do as much as me. But do as much as you can and try to do a little more. And I think that's an important message of Hanukkah that the month of Kislev just began. We're coming towards Hanukkah. And it's a message I wanted to share with you today that pursue that steady growth. One day at a time. First night of Hanukkah, one candle, second night two. We keep growing. Mylin by Kodesh. We keep elevating. We try to grow. Yesterday should be, today should be better than yesterday. And after today's done, we, today was the very best. 
Hopefully tomorrow could even be better. We have a Hasidic custom before we go to sleep called Cheshben and Efesh, where we do a stock taking of the day. What did I achieve? What did I accomplish today? And how can I make tomorrow be an even better day? And so we know where do we put the menorah? We're going to have this giant menorah, please, got outside Sandton City. And there'll be another one at Kosher World. And at our shul, we have another giant menorah. I'm sure there'll be more menorahs around. And those who want these menorahs for their cars, just contact me and we'll make a plan and get you a menorah for your car. But we know the menorah goes outside. We put it at the window. It's, it's publicly displayed. We're publicizing the miracle. And this tells us the imp- a very important message. When we're successful in cultivating our homes in a Jewish spirit, and we do so with persistent and steady growth like the menorah. First night one, second night two, until the eighth night we've illuminated all the candles. Then we'll have a positive influence on those around us because we, after all, we kindle the menorah in our house, but that light will then spread beyond to the entire world around us. And so, I think the call of the hour for each of us is, how are we going to cultivate Jewish life in our own homes? You know, out there in the world... As much as we discovered that uh, Pfizer's come up with a vaccine that's got a 90% success rate according to their current studies, trials, experiments, and Moderna has a 94.5 success rate according to their trials and experiments, we're not out of the woods yet. We're still in a pandemic, and if you listen to the news, you hear that in Europe, in America, the numbers are growing. We're not out of the woods here. Here we listen to Dr. Anton Myberg who's encouraging and urging each of us to still be careful. So it's a, it's a message and reminder. For those out there in the world, wherever you might be, outside of South Africa, well, if you're in lockdown, you bring the Yiddishkeit into your home. But don't let it just stay in your home. Take that special light that you bring into the house. The light and warmth, the excitement of Shabbos. The beauty and the passion and the enthusiasm that you experience. And don't let it remain a hindrance. Like Havdalah, that then we take the light of Shabbos into the rest of the week. That light we want it to now permeate the rest of the world around us. So that the, the light is able to illuminate the entire world around us. And that's ultimately what we're trying to achieve, what we're trying to accomplish with our Havdalah. And of course, as the month of Kislev is here, we want to bring that light into the world as the world really needs a little bit more light these days. So, any questions anyone has right now?